Pastor Xavier Reese explains the simple truths of a walk of faith. Whenever I trust in what I see without waiting to hear from God, I'm walking by sight because He is beyond the circumstances. I can only see here. He sees over there. I don't know what He has in store for me. He does. I don't know what's in me. He does. And so it's wisdom to wait upon Him. The just shall live by faith, not by sight. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Hebrew name for the Old Testament book of Numbers is In the Desert, an apt description for what the book is about. The narrative begins after the Israelites had escaped from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. But as they made camp in the Sinai Desert, it wasn't long before they became slaves once again, but this time to their own sinful ways. Pastor Xavier begins a new Simple Truth series today in Numbers with a study of four characteristics of backsliding. Let's listen. As we begin our study of the book of Numbers, which describes to us the 40-year wandering of the children of Israel in the wilderness, I want to set the context and the background of the book of Numbers at Sinai. We get so used to reading books and moving along, but we don't understand that the book of Exodus is a redemption of Israel. And within that, the book of Leviticus fits, the book of Numbers fits. And we lose the mentality of how these things are put together. Israel is in the wilderness of Sinai at Mount Sinai. By reading Exodus 40, verse 17, the beginning of Numbers, chapter 1, verse 1, you'll see that they're at the same place. The tabernacle is being reared up a month before, and God now is ready to move Israel through the wilderness journey. The reality is that the book of Numbers is a continuation of the book of Exodus. The law has been given within one month from the rearing up of the tabernacle to the time when God's going to take them out. And now God is ready to move. Now in view that Israel is ready to move out through the wilderness journey to the promised land, we want to look at Israel and four characteristics that hinder her spiritual growth and led her to backslidings, which is characteristic of her throughout the wilderness journey. It is interesting that life will really not add much to you. Life will only bring out what's in you. So often we want to blame and excuse ourselves, but really the heat of life will only bring out what's in you. It will reveal, you know, like putting a pot into the heat. It shows the cracks in the pot. So the heat only reveals you're a crack pot. That's all. <laughs> it doesn't make you one. It only reveals that you are. And life has a tendency to do that. Now the world has a nifty little way to deal with it. They excuse. They justify. They go to the shrink. They go into recovery movements. They, they do all kinds of different little things. But God allows those pressures alive for me to see who I really am. And that I come to an agreement with Him. I don't like it. Lord, change me. That's what it's all about. Backsliding is not unique of Israel, but it's also characteristic of the church through these four characteristics that we're going to look at. Israel was constantly warned, rebuked, and called to repentance regarding her backslidings. I think Jeremiah is a classic case in terms of what he declares. Let me just read you a couple of passages. You can jot them down or turn whatever you like. 
But Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6-8, he says, The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, After she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the, the costs for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. Go down to verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, Backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return backsliding Israel, says the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall on you. For I am merciful, says the Lord, and I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. God was continually pleading with Israel over and over again. And I think that God pleads with this church over and over again. Certainly the messages of the church of Revelation seven times tells us that God is pleading, warning, rebuking, reproving His people. By the way, these are His people. He's not talking to pagans, non-believers. He's talking to His people. Those are the ones that God confronts. The non-believer, He confronts for salvation, to be merciful and gracious. To His people, He confronts them in warning, lest He come down in judgment upon them and takes action. Now, backsliding has only two options. One is reaping, the other one's repentance. Listen to Jeremiah again, Jeremiah 2.19. Your own wickedness will correct you, and your backsliding will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. Reaping is a bitter thing. And as we follow these four characteristics that lead us to backsliding, if we don't return, repent, then we will reap from what we have sown. The more favorable option is repentance in chapter 3, verse 22. Return, O backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. That's always the option for the believer. To acknowledge his error, to acknowledge his failure, and to confess and repent and abandon. And so as we begin the book of Numbers, what I want to do is look at Exodus 32 and look at these four characteristics that lead Israel to backsliding continually. Because these are the things that will carry her through the wilderness. It would be wise for you and myself to mark these well. Because we are on a journey also in life. Now hopefully you're not going to be in the wilderness like Israel. And we'll see this as we move on. 11 day journey. Took them 40 years. Going nowhere. Never entering the promised land. Never living abundantly. 
There are many Christians who live all their life like that in carnality in the church. Never moving on. Never growing. Never maturing. It's a sad condition. And I pray that God will deal with your heart as well as mine. That we will see the wisdom behind the obedience to God's Word. Lest we come to the very same place. Let me read verses 1 through 6 and we'll look at them. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings. They brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat, to drink, and they rose up to play. Four characteristics are given to us in this passage for Israel's backsliding as Moses is up in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The first one is impatience, the first portion of verse 1. The second one is a desire to walk by faith, the rest of verse 1 down to verse 3. The third one is compromise, verses 4 and 5. And the fourth and last one is unstraining sensual life, verse 6. Listen, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. The word delay means to be ashamed or disappointed. It's expressing a sense of confusion publicly. Whenever you and I are impatient, we experience a sense of confusion. And we are pressed to act and react and to do. Whatever seems right to my mind, to my heart, to my will, to my emotions, to my desires, based on what I assess to be the best thing to do. Whenever I become impatient with God's timing, I am in danger of adding to my own hurt because I will be leaning to my own understanding. Now remember, this is the backdrop. God told him to wait for him. God told him, hey, I'm going to give you a law. Moses is coming up. You stay down there. So we're not talking about not using your brain in a very common sense arena. We're talking about something that is very specific. And these people are leaning to their own understanding. Now, I, I hope you're familiar with, with Proverbs, particularly Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 5 through 8. Let me read that for you. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, the premise is that you are leaning to the Lord's understanding according to the Word. He is not saying don't use your brain He's saying, don't let your brain override my revelation. That's what he's saying. Don't lean to your own understanding. They say, well, Moses has been gone 40 days, 49. How do we know he didn't slip, crack his head, and here we are down here like a bunch of dummies waiting? We're going to starve. 
in patience. We are called to rejoice in hope and to be patient in tribulations, Romans 12, 12 says. That's when God starts revealing to me who I really am and how faithful He is. I rest upon Him. He's my hope. God is called the God of patience in Romans 15, 5. That's an understatement. All you have to do is travel with us the next weeks and months to come through the book of Numbers. You will find out how patient God is. <laughs> and you'll find out there's hope for you. Jesus is our example of patience, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. And patience is one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22. It doesn't happen by my natural tendencies or characteristics. Xavier is not a patient person on his natural self. Xavier wants things right now, and he wants them the way he wants them. It is the work of the Spirit in one's life that produces patience. Now, I know there's some of you that are real mellow and, you know, just real long-suffering, and nothing ever seems to bother you, but even you can be driven to impatience. None of us have it as a natural characteristic. Impatience declares a lack of trust in God and a trust in self. It falls under the category of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5.20. So you are scriptural, but just on the negative side. Impatience says, I know what's best. Impatience says, I can see and know all things, and I cannot make mistakes. Impatience says, I don't really care. I want the immediate pleasure and benefit right now. Impatience is a very cruel, cruel master. Impatience is not to wait patiently for God's mate for you. And every person that walks in, you're saying, well, is that him? Is that her? And then pretty soon, you become insensate to God's voice because all you're hearing is your own voice. And then... You jump in and you say, this is the one. And then you say, I do. And you say, oh my God. Don't be impatient about a mate. You follow God and it'll be amazing the people he'll bring alongside you. God knows your needs and he knows exactly what's best for you. Impatient to become promoted. Be it in ministry, be it in your career. And so you start tugging, you start striving, you start promoting, you start proclaiming. You know, you've been here long enough in the church and you figure people aren't aware of your giftedness and how blessed they are and it's about time that you unveil yourself. You say, come on, Xavier, not with Christians. Oh yeah, especially with Christians. <laughs> You're impatient about your job opportunities and your promotions. You figure that you need to let people know how good you are or what talent you have. Now, I'm not discouraging you to do the best you can in your job and when those doors are open to walk in humility and let your talent and your work speak for itself. But I'm speaking against that haughtiness and that promotion that you're going to go get it no matter what and it doesn't matter what happens, who you run over, or what the cost is. You must be real careful. If God gave you the job, can He not promote you? Promotion does not come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. You must be patient. To be patient with the transforming work of the Spirit of God, sometimes it's not easy. You become impatient. 
And so you say, well, the work of God is not coming along as far as I want it to and as fast as I want it to. And, you know, so I'm getting tired of this stuff, so I'm going back in the world. And so pretty soon you start looking towards Sodom. And the well-watered gardens look so nice. I look to the church and eh, nothing around. Boy, that looks nice over there. And so Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Next time we read of him, he is in the gates of Sodom as one of the judges. Oh, be careful thinking that you are able to overcome the world and that you can go so far and then put the brakes on. Be real careful. It just does not happen like that. You get sucked in. Many, many through the years that I've been a Christian, I've seen them get sucked back into the world. They're still there today, many of them. Because they got impatient with God in the work that He was doing. It's just not happening fast enough. And so they start looking to the world. Impatience is a very dangerous characteristic. Mark it well for your life. The second characteristic is that of Israel's desire to walk by sight, not by faith. The rest of verse 1 to 3. The people gathered together to Aaron. They said to them, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as is Moses, we don't know what's happened to them. You know? Aaron said to them, Break off your golden earrings. So they did so. The people broke them off, gave them to him, and he received them. Down to verse 3. Moses had become to them as a god to a certain extent. And he could not be found and so all of a sudden, they wanted to walk by sight, not by faith. So they desired to make a physical representation of God in order to regain their consciousness of God. Whenever you lose the consciousness of God, you will seek to replace God or to regain the consciousness of God by some physical representation that reminds you of God. That's always wrong. You ever remember before you were a Christian? You're going down the road and you're going on a long trip and all of a sudden you realize you left your St. Christopher in the shower. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> or your dashboard looked like the museum. You can always tell religious people. They need some physical representation to regain the consciousness of God in their life. And yet the Scriptures declare that God is a spirit and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The amazing thing here is that Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother, he takes this goal, he tells them what to do, he takes a tool, he fashions the calf. We don't have time, it's a whole other sermon, but when Moses comes down, he says, Aaron, what did you do? He says, hey, Mo, you gave me the goal, threw it in the fire. Calf jumped out. Liar. It is amazing the things that we will say as truth because we don't want to reveal our guilt. And so people say, well, what happened? And, and you start, and it's not the truth. You've watered it down. And then weeks, months, years, they find out the truth and they feel betrayed. You've broken trust. Not only did you fail, but you covered up your sin. And man, it compounds the problem. God wanted to kill Aaron. 
Moses interceded. God spared him, but he never let him enter the promised land. Walking by sight instead of by faith. It broke the first commandment and the second commandment right off the bat in Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4. Creating other images and worshiping them. Habakkuk 2, 4 says, The just shall live by faith. Three times in the New Testament do you find that quoted. First, in Romans, the just. You're justified in Jesus Christ. The second in Galatians, shall live. And the third, by faith, the book of Hebrews. The just shall live by faith, not by sight. You start living your life by sight, you're going to be in deep trouble. Because your eyes are the greatest deceptive instrument of your life. Second is your emotions. Eyes and emotions, throw them out. They're legitimate. Handle them. Deal with them. But don't act on them. You will make wrong decisions. You ladies know what I'm talking about. Men, you know what I'm talking about, your eyes. Be careful. Whenever I trust in what I see without waiting to hear from God, I'm walking by side because He is beyond the circumstance. I can only see here. He sees over there. I don't know what He has in store for me. He does. I don't know what's in me. He does. <laughs> and so it's wisdom to wait upon Him. Jesus told His disciples, let us go to the other side. And then a storm rose up and they turned around and said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? What a statement of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let me tell you, if Jesus tells you, let's go to the other side, then you can be guaranteed you're going to get to the other side. Now, he doesn't tell you how you're going to get to the other side. He told Paul, hey, you're going to get to Rome. He didn't tell him how. But if you're in the boat and Jesus is in the boat and he said, we're going to go to the other side, then you can be sure that you're going to get to the other side. Now, the water may be up to the top of the boat. Stay in the boat. The boat may be half down. Stay in the boat. Only when he tells you, come unto me and walk on the water, then get out of the boat. But both are obedience by faith, to stay in the boat or to get out of the boat, not based upon my own decision. He's in control. He's the master. Paul was arrested at Jerusalem, and Jesus had the nerve to appear to him and tell him, Be of good cheer, for as you have testified to me here in Jerusalem, you will also do in Rome. How could he say that when 40 men just vowed to kill Paul? How could he do it easy? He's in control. <laughs> this is his world. Nothing is impossible for him. He told Jeremiah when he was in jail, he says, listen, call your nephew and, and write up a document about the land you're going to repossess and you're going to redeem it back in the year of Jubilee and then bury it and, and that's, a, that's a, a deed to my vow that I will bring you back to the land. As impossible as it may seem, I'm going to bring you back. What is impossible in your life regarding God? Your marriage? Your husband? Your wife? God will use that circumstance to make you more like Him and to show you who you really are. And God willing, you will acknowledge the deceitfulness and wickedness of your heart and cast yourself upon the cross and say, Lord, enough's enough. I'm tired of being like me. I want to be like you. Only when you make that decision will you begin to experience eternal life to the fullest. Until then, it will be a recurring cycle over and over and over. A desire to walk by sight instead of by faith bad characteristic. Mark it well. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrates the pursuit of freedom is the result of a walk by faith. We're just at the beginning of a Simple Truth series of the Old Testament book of Numbers. And there's much more of this initial message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Hindrances to Spiritual Growth. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Hindrances to Spiritual Growth, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com